What makes for a great director or a skilled writer? How do good actors do what they do? Does great art always follow the rules? Welcome to Press Play and Surrender. I'm your host, Owen McQuinn, and I'm an Irish filmmaker and actor. This is my chance to speak to artists of all kinds, as well as industry players, from up-and-comers to established talent. It's a space for in-depth conversation, where personal insights and unexpected tangents are very much encouraged. You're listening to Press Play and Surrender. My guest today is Sam Lucas-Smith. Sam is an Irish actor, writer and director based in L.A., His work includes short films By the Dip, Death of an Android, OK Google and Fridge. He has also appeared in many TV series, including Vikings and It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I was delighted to have Sam on the show today. He's such a lovely, talented guy. Um, I can't wait to see what he does next. And yeah, we had a really good conversation. So here's my chat with Sam Lucas-Smith. So, hi Sam. Thanks so much for talking to me today. Really appreciate it. Thanks for being Thank on the show. Um, do you remember where we met? Actually, I actually do. We were doing an, weren't we doing an, an extras? We were like, oh god, it was years ago. We were extras on on was it Love Hate? Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I think you were like a background artist, and I was a film student. Uh, piggybacking off my friend who was making the making of for Love Hate. Mm, yeah, and I remember now. Yeah, yeah. I basically was taking notes about what it's like to be on set. I hadn't been on too many TV sets before, and it was a research project for film school. Yeah, yeah. So that was I don't know. That could have been two thousand and nine or two thousand and ten. It's a long time God. ago now. If not earlier, yeah, it definitely would have been because why would I was I was probably was I in drama school or something at the time or or if not just having graduated and try to figure out what I wanted to do with my life and uh, well sadly Maureen Hughes never actually properly cast me in Love Hate but uh, I'll, I'll take the right. extra gig. <laughs> yeah, I and I don't know how then we somehow kept in touch like we. We yeah. must have contacted, must have exchanged contact information, and we had a few coffees over the years. And I think I wanted to yeah. cast you in a project of mine. Never happened. I think the time that I was trying to cast you, you may have been in London or something. Um, yeah, because I, I spent a good portion. Well, I was based in London for it was my primary base, and. I graduated from. I was. I went to drama school in the UK, so I was always kind of. I, ne- I never really settled in Ireland as such. I feel like I kind of grew up outside of Ireland uh, and I would just come home for uh, the odd gig here and there, Christmases. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I suppose I never had, if I had work or, you know, significant stuff to keep me in Ireland, but I, you know, I always kind of got, I don't know, I, 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 I get tired of Ireland uh, too easily. Uh, so I suppose that's half the reason why I'm, I'm now living uh, well, further away than London, I'm now in LA. Yeah, uh, but in the near future, I would love for uh, to have reason to come back to Ireland. And you know, I've got a green card now, you know. So and the world's a smaller place. I could, could, could well, if, if the funds allowed for it, I could conceivably uh, 
live in both places, bounce back and forth, fly back when work requires. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so actually, that's interesting you say. I mean, you are you are Irish. You grew up. Where did you grow up? Grew up in was South County Dublin, uh, Kalini to be specific, uh, and went to school, local school, uh, and straight after school, I and I went to drama school. I moved to Manchester. I went to the Manchester School of Theatre. Uh, and you know, in a lot, of, in a lot of ways, I feel like I kind of grew up from from then on. Sometimes I kind of still think I'm growing up, still figuring and figuring stuff out. Uh, and at the age of what am I now? Thirty four. I don't like to think about it. Uh, and uh, yeah, so Ireland is uh, it's home. It's always home. Uh, but uh, I feel like I've never lived there properly. <laughs> Yeah. And what is it your parents did? My, uh, well, my dad was, uh, my mum was, she worked in marketing in the Irish Times until, well, until she didn't anymore. And then my dad was involved in the property business for better or worse. And then uh, through the highs and lows, uh, through the Celtic Tiger, and then the very lows when uh, kind of near enough lost everything uh with the the crash yeah. uh so uh he's now kind of back uh, you know he survived that uh, just about and uh i think it was uh, an important lesson actually in you know what you value uh as well and uh he's now working on a paying the bills uh which and he's happy which is the main thing yeah um and were they always encouraging of you uh heading into acting and filmmaking they were which i count myself very lucky for uh, to this day they they are uh i suppose i had the benefit of really not being very good at anything else growing up there was never anything else pulling me in any other direction i was never going to be an accountant and uh, they knew that for sure so, uh, you know, I, I think the fact that I was interested in anything was like, great, we'll, we'll support this. Uh, so it was really the only thing I ever put my mind to, uh, anything creative, creating stuff, writing. And uh, they've always been very supportive of that, uh, uh, emotionally supportive, uh, which is the main thing, because I'll be, I'm my biggest attractor, you know, if not for the, my support system around me, people propping me up and kind of giving me the, that encouragement, you know, I, I'd have, I'd have probably packed it in years ago. Yeah, it is so important to get that little piece of encouragement now and then because it's so easy to lose faith in yourself and have self doubt and everything. Um, but how did that kind of manifest itself as maybe a teenager or even a child? Did the acting start coming up at that point or was it a bit later when you were deciding where to go to school or to college? I think it, it was quite early. It was early enough when I realized that you can actually pursue this as a professional thing and actually do it as a as a degree and, you know, go to, you know, go at the age of whatever, 15 and every, everyone's saying, all right, well, what are you going to study? What are you going to do? 
And about that age that somebody else uh, introduced me to the fact that you could go to drama school and you could pursue this in a professional sense. Uh, and I also realized, oh, and you don't need a math, you don't need math and you don't need Irish and you don't need all these other things, which I was awful at. Uh, so I, I set my sights on that and put in the yeah, research of, you know, where I... I mean, growing up, you would have obviously been watching movies, maybe going to the theater. Were there certain actors or films or plays that inspired you and you felt, I need to be part of this? I, I, I can't. There would have been. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Uh, I suppose it's it was always an interest. It's only more so recently that it's been something that I pursued and wanted to do as a means of paying the bills. Uh, before... I was always just, I, I enjoy this and it's nice whenever I ever have, and, and I still have that as well, but uh, I suppose responsibilities get in the way uh, and then you want to start thinking, okay, well, how much did this gig pay? And, uh, you know, all the I'd have been doing, I'd have been happy to do any own unpaid stuff just to get on sets, you know, at, at a young age, which is a nice kind of freedom to have. But, you know, now I would be in that, you know, it's, I've got other jobs as well. You know, I'm not, sure. I'd love to be, bring me the day where I can do one thing alone. Yeah, I've kind of got about four different things going on, two of which are completely unrelated. I'm also working as a writer. Uh, so time is a bit of a restriction and it, it does, responsibilities get in the way of sometimes sitting back and enjoying uh, those creative opportunities as well as just trying to fit them in. Right. Yeah, I know. It's all a balance, isn't it? And you have to be a bit of a hustler. Mm -hmm. I mean, to do what you did, I really admire the fact mm -hmm. that you moved to LA and had the determination to do that. Um, I, mm. I don't know many people who have done it, you know. And where do you think that belief came from in yourself and your talent that you're, you're willing to go there and compete with the best of them, in a sense? I think probably naivety really uh you know if i sat back and if i was realistic i wouldn't be here uh, i'd have said well first off i'd have said it's very unlikely that i would be granted a green card because the requirements on paper absolutely i wouldn't have been eligible at the time that i was granted it uh, first off i mean my first introduction to la was i had a visa i got a role in a feature film a small feature film lead role which was filming in la and that brought me over initially and i decided i loved the place i had made some great connections here got frustratingly close which is the story of every actor's life to a few likely life-changing jobs uh you know up to the line screen testing at a studio signing the deal memo only to be told at that stage one of the, the one in particular i'm thinking of is that they couldn't hire me because i needed a green card there was a big switch over at some stage where studios started cracking down on hiring requirements for international actors uh there's a few reasons I've heard of why that was the case, but basically, supposedly there was some issue where they hired someone, turned out their visa didn't come through, and it turned out that they'd been hired legally, they had to reshoot to the tune of millions. I had a, an O-1 visa at that stage, which is supposedly a, a visa of extraordinary ability, and uh, the application process is long, boring, and difficult. Uh, 
so the green card is basically the even more long, boring, difficult part of that. So when this event happened, which uh, turned out that I couldn't be hired for this large job, my visa was coming to a close anyway. I was at that stage kind of wondering, okay, what am I doing? I, I knew I had to go back to Ireland at that stage. And to cut a long story short, I had the opportunity to go back to do a master's in screenwriting. I applied for that uh, and I was accepted into the course. And alongside while completing my master's, I uh, discovered that it is possible to self-petition for a green card where you do the application yourself, file all the documents, write your petition file, which is about... In my case, it was about 500 pages, and that's just pure writing and explaining, uh, trying to explain what, for the purposes of how is it written, uh, whereby my presence in the U.S. is in the cultural and economic uh, benefit of the nation, which is nonsense because, no, it's not. Uh, but uh, th there's no humility about these things. You need to tell them why you are the the greatest actor to have walked the earth and they are stupid for not letting you in. So between writing petition letters, uh, all of which you end up writing yourself and you just kind of go to the person and ask them, would you mind signing that? Uh, I, I was very lucky in that. Uh, and I think this is an Irish thing in particular. A lot of well-known uh, filmmakers, uh, who some of which who I barely knew, uh, some of whom I'd worked with at the factory and in Bow Street, kindly signed their name uh, to, and I have them to thank uh, for that because it, it makes a big difference when someone with serious credentials is saying, "Yeah, this guy is great. You need to let him into the country." Uh, I was lucky that uh, Lenny Abrahamson uh, was very kindly uh, signed the letter that I wrote in his name uh, and Kirsten Sheridan and uh, just a, <clears throat> a few other actors well known that I'd, I'd worked with in the past. Uh, and I think the, the one that's one thing I love about Irish people that, you know, we're a small country, but we kind of, there's a tight-knit community that uh, I think we prop each other up. Yeah, well that's interesting you mentioned the factory and you mentioned your screenwriting MA, like how mm. did those two different learning environments inform your your approach to acting and filmmaking now? Like do you look at a script differently because you studied screenwriting or do you approach character I do. differently? I'm, I'm, I'm far more judgmental. I'll turn down anything that's poorly written almost immediately, unless I know the writer, you know, there's, I know there's no rules with screenwriting or whatever, but if I have a script that comes across my, my lap, it's like I'm getting the scripts every day. No, as if, but uh, if somebody sends me something and uh, I, and I need to kind of sometimes forget about that because it doesn't necessarily mean a script is poor or anything, but if I start seeing red flags as far as the rules of screenwriting go, which I break all the time and the best writers in the world break all the time. But unless you kind of know them in advance, they're the first things that pop out. And if I'm seeing just redundant action lines or just incorrect formatting or camera directions in, a, in action lines and small things like that, which don't 
necessarily affect the script itself, but they're the first things I'll notice. And then I'm a little bit more suspicious from then on. And then I feel like the story from that point on needs to win me over. Yeah, I mean, there is kind of a school of thought which says that you should only write what the camera can see. So you can't add any colour or direction that an audience member couldn't possibly see. And Mm -hmm. I don't know, I think if there's a balance, you know, like it can, it needs to, there needs to be enough said on the page that you can imagine what you're going to see. But at the same time, if you assume too much, you know, it's, it's a tricky Mm -hmm. balance. I think you don't want to be boring and dry on the page just because you're only telling what the camera can see, in my opinion. No, Um, completely. Yeah. I've read some of your work. It's really interesting. It's very entertaining. Um, And I've noticed that you kind of a theme emerges in your work. I mean, you've made quite a few short films. You've made By the Dip, Death of an Android, OK Google and Fridge. And what I see emerging is the idea of technology poking fun and revealing human frailty and flaws. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Oh, completely, yeah. Uh, and I suppose it comes out of my own fascination. I, you know, as I've worked sort of loosely as a technology journalist, I suppose you'd, you'd call it, and I've always been interested in tech, and it's something that I read about in any way. And uh, I kind of like far-fetched ideas where, you know, that, that's what I love about film. It's that I can you can change the rules. It's, you just present this idea. Okay, there's a... T- walking talking ai assistant there you go work away this is the world you're now entered into and it just creates these impossible scenarios uh, which I, I hope usually you play for real you know it, it, because it's such an absurd thing anyway uh and yeah i suppose that theme it just comes out of my own interests and also probably my own laziness it's like if i set the world and i make the like there's no research required in that it's like yeah the, if i'm doing a historical drama or something you know there's a got to be a lot more precise with that when i set the rules it's kind of whatever i write goes uh, and if i sell that idea effectively whether through performance or writing uh, then you're winning uh, hopefully, you know, it resonates in that most of what I write is satirical uh, and it's always, you know, comedy is a difficult uh, art form, I suppose you could say, and that, uh, you know, you know when it's working, you know, no other art form has a more immediate barometer for success when you're sitting in the audience. Uh, and... Uh, yeah, I suppose that theme as well comes from, I, I, I did sign a shopping agreement. I was working on a project with a company that they liked my work and it was a short form type series, which I was pitching as uh, Black Mirror, but funny, which resonated very well with most people who read the pitch deck that I created. It wasn't picked up in the end. So I, I was kind of a bit, oh, great. Well, I've written all these things and what am I going to do with them now? Uh and then I said, well, do you know what? I'll just make it myself instead of wasting all this energy trying to get someone else to invest in my work. You know, I'll try, save what I can and shoot them. Some a lot more expensive than others. I definitely don't have much money to spend on these things and shooting anything anywhere is expensive, particularly in LA. I'm now 
it's an expensive habit. Uh, you know, every uh, I think there seems to be a a clock goes by that I feel like oh I, sh- I should make something, uh, and it's a great way of getting uh, getting cast as well. Don't need to wait for anyone else to cast you. So I'm gearing up to shoot another thing, which is similar similar theme, satirical, more so centered around the entertainment industry itself. And I suppose it's my I think it's this one's a bit of my way of saying f you to the uh, to the entertainment industry. I think so. Uh, maybe it'll be my last one. We'll see how it gets how it's uh, yeah. received. Uh, but I need to find locations first. And God, I was looking for a, an office location, the most basic, an office room. And I and here they're used to huge productions coming in, and they don't discriminate. They think, oh, what well, you get charged the exact same thing for your permit, your location fee. They wanted fifteen thousand dollars to rent an office room for a single day, uh, so yeah. that doesn't work. Uh, but there's a lot of people who are in the same boat, and there are you know you can pull in favors. I've done a lot of favors for people, and hopefully I'll be able to bank those on this one and see what happens. Yeah, I really love that idea of not asking for permission to make something like not jumping Mm. through hoops and asking permission and trying to convince other people to be able to just Mm. have the autonomy. I like, I made something maybe three years ago. It was just me with the camera and my friend, and we made something very atmospheric kind of artsy, but it was so enjoyable that process because we didn't have Mm. to wait, you know? Um, But I mean, as small as any budget is, there's still a budget required to get to a certain yeah. technical level. Um, but yeah. you, I mean, you have made connections now in LA. You know DPs, you know actors. Mm-hmm. So there are people trying to do the same thing as you are, I guess, and willing Most to completely, make yeah. it happen. And those connections are everything, really. Yeah. Uh, and you know once you're here on the fringes i suppose of whether it be success or the industry itself you're reminded of that all the time whether it there is nepotism is rife and it's uh, it's all who you know and i'm uh, i'm for sure i'm jealous i wish my dad was a producer or you know the executive yeah. at abc uh but you know that is what you're competing against as well, and there's also a there's a huge wealth gap here as well, where you're competing against even on the at the bottom of the ladder you're competing either with if not against actors who are connected by default you're connecting against actors who are extraordinarily rich who have the means to one you know, work for free or to. They, they have the time which is a luxury in itself you know money isn't everything but time is the greatest currency of all and uh, it's a time-consuming career and it's a long game and uh, you know moving over here it's important to know that you either you have the funds or just the the ability to create work if not through the career that you're pursuing you need to know that you've got a steady day job which is going to eat up a lot of your time and energy anyway, but uh, it's part it's part of the same thing. And, you know, you just got to hang around long enough to for luck to strike. Exactly. Well, you have to set yourself up for luck, I suppose, and do the preparation mm-hmm. that it takes. And to of course, do, yeah, exactly. do, do what you can time. to do what you can to make your own luck, which is part of the reason why I 
sort of fell into the habit of making my own work as well. And it did, you know, it, it led, that's something that led to stuff as well. I got a role in, uh, I mean, recently enough in Always Sunny in Philadelphia because, uh, I, I mean, I got it because I worked, I got the audition uh, and I booked the job. But getting the audition is half the battle. And the fact that I had worked with, I co-directed something with one of the lead directors on Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And I had generated a lot of recent comedic material that I'd written and produced myself. It uh, gave me that leg up to just get the opportunity. And that's what you're fighting for when you're here. The opportunity to be seen, just to be considered. Once you're doing your work, that's the easy bit, you know. You're, you, ideally, you know, you'll be confident enough in your own abilities that you could do a great audition and know that, all right, if you're not right for the job, you'll make a good impression. Uh, so, yeah, that's always the, the the goal, just to have the chance to audition. And, uh, yeah, through writing and creating your own work, it's the one thing that you don't have to wait for someone else's permission to do. And that's why I like it, because whatever, me, blank page, there's nothing stopping me except myself acting and so there's a there's a lot of waiting involved you're waiting for someone else to give you the job uh sometimes i can't help but feel a bit passive and that you know then you're, you're telling someone else is going to tell you what to do what to say and obviously there's a lot that you have to put into that as well but there's a unique creative freedom that comes with uh, writing your own stuff you know if it's good or bad that's on you <laughs> Yeah, and the thing is, like, who decides what's good or bad? Like, it's so subjective. Um, have you, like, experienced any sort of criticism of your work? Or do you pay attention to that whatsoever? Do you think oh, it's valuable? completely. I think I always maintain that I'm going to be my hardest critic. So if I write something or create something or an acting or whatever it is, uh, not that I'm immune to criticism i mean god you know if, if i hear if i read a bad comment on youtube oh, they don't like me but ultimately my goal is to be satisfied with my own work uh, and i and that with writing as well i still don't consider myself a professional writer in any form uh it's kind of just a habit that kind of grew uh the day i get the day writing something pays me rather than costing me money maybe i'll change that but uh i kind of write for my own amusement and i write things that you know when i'm writing something that's comedic i write something that i think is funny and if i think it's funny great and then if other people want to laugh along with me cool yeah you are really good i think of striking that light comedic tone that's also very intelligent like um how do you find once you've once you've written the thing once you've gotten a few people involved these are the independent productions mm. you make how do you find yourself approaching directing on set like how does that is it very technical is it more emphasis on the actors and what they're doing do you feel like you're doing it's enough a mix. or it's a mix of both because like i've done i mean even when it's a small scale thing, I mean, the most recent one, which was only a short, uh, I was directing and editing and acting in the same. And it was like a one man show kind of thing, as well as doing catering 
and <laughs> gaffing here and there as well and kind of definitely taken on way too many jobs but you know it's cheaper to do it like that less people to pay but i had a very clear idea in my head and because i totally have imposter syndrome anytime i'm doing that i'm prepared to the nth degree yeah i have a very specific shot list in my mind i know exactly how i'm going to edit it i know exactly you know performance wise what i'm looking for either out of myself or anyone else i do like to collaborate very much so with the dp with creative ideas try some stuff out as well i know that, that you know once i shoot my coverage that we can try a bit of let's do some camera flicks or you know just random stuff as well so that i can play around in the edit uh when it comes to directing i've also co-directed as well so uh yeah i'd like to say that just through realizing that it's not my professional pursuit i uh i prepare i just make sure that i'm prepared yeah i think that's I, you can never be too prepared i don't think you do your preparation mm. and then maybe you let it go and allow yourself to adapt to the moment like in the present you know um and yeah. do you watch a lot of movies right now or tv is there anything in particular that you're enjoying i i try to i go to screenings every now and then through sag uh, and bafta which i'm a member of uh, and what's the most recent thing i saw i went to I went to a screening of Babylon, uh, which has received very mixed reviews. I was surprised to have liked it because I definitely didn't like La La Land. Uh, I I enjoyed Babylon for what it was. Definitely way too indulgent for you know the very simple me- message I think it had, but uh, it was an enjoyable, weird roller coaster of a film. Uh, and then I need to watch uh, The Whale this week actually today actually i think later when i'm back i'm going to watch that but i don't i don't get to watch enough because time is uh at a, somebody's calling me what the menu somebody oh yes we saw the menu uh my wife <laughs> reminded me in the corner uh, which i really liked as well because i knew nothing about it I, th- I thought i was going to watch a movie about just i don't know people eating food i didn't know what it was about and it's like oh this is the way it's gone. Cool. Okay. Uh, but and I, I like movies like that is because they get me thinking, oh, this is a single location. It's something that triggers so many ideas in my head that, okay, what can I write that would be a similar sort of thing that could be shot on a tight budget, single location where the, you know, with a, with a concept like that, a single idea that could be developed. Uh, and yeah, but I, 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 to answer the question, I don't get to watch enough because I kind of I'm a bit short on time and energy lately. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you've got plenty on your plate. But um, yeah, I was just asked because you know, for me, <clears throat> that's so important to be reminded of why you're interested in it in the first place, and to see what's possible yeah. in the medium. You know, like. Um, mm-hmm it's obviously something that's really important to me growing up and i think it's funny though you know now i'll watch reality tv or i'll watch something that's mindless and i can think of my 19 year old cinephile self like balking (laughs) at my viewing habits now i i feel like i was way more 
into like exploring certain filmmakers work or certain actors work and like yeah. you know obsessively checking out everything they've done <laughs> and now I just don't bother yeah. anymore I think you get kind of more passive as you get older in terms of your watching habits <laughs> anyway so. yeah yeah it's funny um but listen it was great to talk to you today um I really appreciate oh, you taking the time um I and, hope my, there was something valuable in my my ramblings. <laughs> yeah, no, it was really interesting, um, and I'm really excited to see what you do next. Um, I'm sure it'll be a great success. I'm sure the shoot will go well. When when are you shooting? I need to figure that out. I was hoping to shoot in March, but then I'm still short on location. I've got to go to of a few things coming up as well. I have a trip to Vegas, which is not a work trip, uh, and a few other things. So I'm thinking maybe April, in the back, sometime in April, uh, if I can get all my all my ducks in a row. Excellent. Okay. I will well, keep you posted. Though. Yeah, please do. Hopefully Let's we'll get a chance touch. to have another coffee. Yeah. Yes. Okay, Sam. Thanks all right. So Thanks, Sam. So that was my conversation with Sam Lucas Smith. I think uh, we had a really good discussion. It was really interesting to hear about his work and his background and his journey so far. And I hope you guys will tune in next week for the next episode. This has been Press Play and Surrender. Thank you for listening. Please consider subscribing wherever you find your podcasts.